For as long as I can remember, movies have mattered in my life. My childhood memories are of browsing the aisles of video stores, listening to my parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents discuss movies at family or holiday dinners, spending innumerable weekends in theaters with my closest friends, staying up late to catch something on cable TV. My room growing up was covered in the one-page movie poster ads from magazines. Sure, I had other interests, but the most enduring is of being a consumer and lover of movies. My wife's lifelong interests and her experience is decidedly different. Whereas I have developed an encyclopedic knowledge of and passion for movies, she grew up aware but only marginally interested. Movies were much less important, actors and directors' names were not memorized, visiting a theater was an occasional treat, and as such, our viewing histories are widely divergent. Because she is supportive of me, however, she has agreed to a gimmick. To fill in a few of the most glaring gaps for the sake of helping me to continue our adventure in podcasting. Please listen along as we rummage through the collection and review movies from my past, which I hope she will appreciate as well. It's time to catch up, Chrissy. wonder what movie we watch, Matt. We watch Bridge on the River Quiet. <laughs> and that is what the soldiers come whistling on their way into the POW camp. Yeah. Great work. Which, by the way, in the trivia, I, I found out that that song is called... Colonel Bogey's March. Right. But the, in the World War II, they changed the lyrics to Hitler has one ball. <laughs> <laughs> really? And there were all these like like propaganda anti-Hitler, obviously, songs and sentiments. But that, that was one of the most famous ones. Really? Alternate lyrics. Okay, you say so. <laughs> it was in the IMDb trivia. Had it must know. be true. You had to know that. Yeah. All right, Bridge on the River Quiet's the last movie in our our uh little, <laughs> little season here. And, catch up Chrissy. Yeah, I can't believe that we're done. Um yeah. And this was uh this is one of my granddad's favorites. He was a World War II vet. Uh-huh. Um and I think I saw it the very first time in my late teens, early twenties with him. Uh-huh. And uh I'm not sure that I'd seen it since. Did and, you like it the first time you saw it? I found it really slow, and I was confused by William Holden. The, mm. the, the whole sequence, I mean, you'll, when you summarize, you'll maybe tell us a little bit about this, but the whole sequence with William Holden getting away, uh, like, I actually, the, David Lean, who's a great, great, great filmmaker, one of our one of the greatest ever that lived, um, he misdirected me as a viewer mm-hmm. into thinking that Holden had died. Mm-hmm. Because when he pops up later on, he's sort of unrecognizable because he's grown a beard and mm-hmm. he looks different. So I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. And then I found the first time I saw this, I think that the the sequence uh, in near Colombo, um, where he's escaped and he's being recuperated by the British commandos, I thought that dragged mm-hmm. a little bit, looking at maps and stuff. But I saw it on a smaller screen and um, without the big sound and. Mm-hmm. and I think it was really this this viewing was enriched by those elements the huge screen and the great sound that we have here at the house Mm -hmm. so this is one of your your mom's favorites and this is this was one of your grandmother's favorites yes and so and i went into this movie completely blind thinking it was a love story based on those two women liking it i just assumed like if they like it it must be a love story it turns out the love angle was shoehorned in by more the, of a sex angle by the studio at the end yeah by the way that, oh, yeah? that was yes p- uh, filmed post filming right and only because they were like well where are the beautiful women why is this all men 
Which, but not in like a Bechdel way, in like a where are the hot broads kind of a way. Yeah, we need broads. Very, very 1950s. We need dames. That's right. Where are the dames? <laughs> and so what they, am I supposed to look at? These men for three hours? And so they they have one blonde that's hanging around on the beach with uh-huh. one holding for in five minutes suit, yeah. in a bathing suit, mm-hmm. running into the water. Mm-hmm. And then a nurse. That's the same Is that woman. the same woman? Yeah. Cool. All right. She was married to the director at the time? She was married to David Lean. Yeah. Okay. But they were in the middle of an acrimonious divorce because he was on set with his mistress, who was from India, who ended up becoming the next Mrs. Director lady. Okay. Yeah. Sounds. Well, you've really read IMDb. I really have. You have a thorough I actually, mastery of IMDb. I actually, I actually read the divorce thing on there and it was like, he was on set with his mistress. So then I Googled the mistress. But when you Googled her, she's no longer the mistress. She's now Mrs. The former Mrs. I'm sure everybody's dead. Okay, whatever. But my point is that she didn't remain. She wasn't just a mistress. She ended up walking that down, which as an Indian woman in the 1950s, let's just shout out where it's deserved here. Like that. Good for her. Yeah, That's all. Uh, Okay. My summary. Go for it. We start the movie with a train coming in with a bunch of British POWs on it into this basically abandoned POW camp. Uh, It is indicated by the one remaining American and one remaining British soldier who have managed to uh, avoid a plague of various diseases. Very that, buried, it sounds like. Well, no, but other things too. He mentioned malaria, yeah. like yeah, um, stuff that's carried by bugs. Uh, that they everybody else has died, and they've they've been the chosen grave diggers because they're the only ones that are left alive. So they head into this Japanese POW camp, and we've got our our colonel of the British soldiers, who is a very upright and rule abiding man to the max. Um, played by Sir Alec Guinness. Sir, played by Sir Alec Guinness. A, a modern audience would associate with Star Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sure. Did not realize that until this moment. Uh, and Right. It's Obi-Wan. Yeah. It's all making sense now. <laughs> this, is, this is one of his great roles. And I would say that you know, hot take uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi of much less significance. Are you saying Star Wars fans take Star Wars movies too seriously? Sounds like I just said that. All yeah. right. Cool. I'm, okay. I'm on board with that opinion for the all record. Right. Um, they're just movies about space. So, yeah, so, uh, yep, so Obi-Wan's there, and he's having a conversation with the Japanese colonel who's in charge of this POW camp, um, who would like everyone who's there to build the so aptly named bridge on the River Kwai. Which is going to connect Japanese troops in East Asia, across the Southeast Asian Peninsula, Mm -hmm. to get to India, Mm -hmm. to get to the doorstep of the British Empire there. Yeah. And so, uh, Sir Alec Guinness, what's his character's name? Nicholson, Colonel Nicholson. Nicholson insists that his officers, according to the Geneva Convention, should not be put to work. No manual labor for officers, and the Japanese colonel disagrees. And since he's in charge, he takes all the officers and puts them in into a box and takes our lead Colonel Nicholson and puts him in what's called the oven, which is a smaller box that's sided in metal. And uh, leaves him there to change his mind. For days on end. For days on end. In the blisteringly hot sun. Yep. With no seemingly food or water. I, like I thought that was a little bit uh, not realistic. That he that he would survive like a week in that box. I just don't think he would. But anyway. Um, so the other men all go to start building, quote unquote, building the bridge. And there's lots of scenes where the, they, he tries, the Japanese colonel tries every tactic to convince... Uh, Nicholson that he should change his mind and he won't tries to be kind, tries to torture him, tries to bully him into changing his mind and he won't. And so he long, long story short, ends up not ends up, ends up through uh, the, the 
guise of it being a holiday in Japan says, okay, fine, your officers won't have to do manual labor. They can just be administrative help and direct people. I thought it was interesting because the Japanese colonel has all the power Mm -hmm. until he tells Nicholson, my life's at stake here. Mm -hmm. And then Nicholson realizes, oh, I've got you. Yeah. And then it's, and then he like, even though Nicholson's like weary and exhausted and dehydrated, Mm -hmm. uh, once the Japanese colonel says like, you know, the Bushido code says that if I don't get this done, I have to take my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, and now Nicholson's got all the power, mm-hmm. right? Because before that, it's just like, you just want this bridge built, not understanding the stakes. So mm-hmm. as soon as the Japanese uh, colonel reveals the stakes, Colonel Saito reveals the stakes of mm-hmm. what's going on, then Nicholson has this like tremendous advantage. And he ends up running the camp for everybody. Mm-hmm. He saves everybody's life mm-hmm. because he's not only saving his own soldiers who would probably die from idleness and fooling around mm-hmm. um, and lack of discipline and then would be subsequently punished by the Japanese, but he's also saving all the Japanese guys who are there who have this like insane engineering task to, to finish mm-hmm. that they can't finish. Mm-hmm. So he ends up being they don't in have, charge of the camp. They don't have the knowledge or experience to do it. So um, that's basically the first half of the movie. Uh, back to our American from the very beginning of the summary, he ends up um, trying to escape and you think he's dead. Turns out he washes up on at a village who saves his life and then sends him down the river in a boat. He ends up... Um, at a like hospital, yeah, British hospital, British hospital, in, and, in and Colombo. Up, yep, and ends up getting uh, voluntold into a small military operation that's going to go back into this camp and blow up the bridge. In the meantime, Nicholson has won this argument about officers not ridiculous, by the way, argument that his like six or eight officers shouldn't have to build the stupid bridge, and um, it's all like principle and morals, and he uh, goes. Uh, they've they've built a bridge. They've built like a, a perfect bridge, and it has, like you say, saved their lives, but also like saved their experience there. Because rather than being idle and contracting diseases and swimming all day and and being punished by the Japanese, they all were working on this exceptional engineering task, and so they get it done. And meanwhile, little to his knowledge, he the, the this commando force is coming in to blow up the bridge. And so then, can you just take it from here, please? I hate doing this. Why don't we take a quick break and then I'll, I'll, okay, you, I'll wrap up. Okay, you think up. about it. Yeah. All right, you take, it, take a minute to think. All right. Okay, Matt, take oh, it away. Okay, so the... I've got the bridge built. I've got the, the br- American coming back. I've got... There's oh, a, my God. There's a big time, a passage of time that's supposed to happen, mm-hmm. right? Then the, the bridge, it's under a, a strict time. Well, it's like four months. Yeah, less than that. But they, there's a false start, right? Yeah. They, they, the pilings aren't going to hold. The bridge is going to collapse under the weight of a train. Mm-hmm. They see it. They fix it. And then we're gone from there for quite a while, actually. We leave mm-hmm. the camp in the construction of the bridge. Um, and we spend a lot of time with William Holden's character, who meets Jack Hawkins, who is uh, Commander Warden, mm-hmm. who is going to train him up in the... I've already said the commando stuff. Yeah. Now they're on so, their way. So they're on their way... Um, one of the there's four of them one of them dies as they jump in another one there was an issue with the one one throwaway thing is that the uh guy that's leading this commando force whose name is what warden warden speaks every asian dialect apparently yeah he's and, supposed to be a cambridge educated yeah professor mm-hmm. yeah. and he can speak to the people in the village that saved our americans life and so they end up there aren't any men left and so they have this is important i think they're the only real women in the entire thing. They have women that are going to be their um, material like, bearers, essentially. Carers, yeah, yeah, they're going to carry all of this equipment. Yeah, because they got to bring in mortars and like 
hundreds of pounds of plastic explosives. Um, and then there's a, like a famously very tense last 20 or so minutes mm -hmm. where the bridge is completed and the Brits are celebrating and Alec Guinness is striding pridefully over the bridge as the sun sets. Because he's lost it. He's lost it. He's lost viewpoint, the view of what the, what the war is all about. Mm -hmm. He's become so focused on getting the bridge built that he doesn't, he's forgotten that and he's helping care, the and, Japanese to win the war. Yes. And, and taking his, taking care of his soldiers. Yes. He's, for, he's lost, lost the big picture. Yeah. Um, and the commandos come and they, they rig the, uh, pilings, the, 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 uh, the legs essentially of the bridge with, with plastic explosives. And then overnight, the river level drops right. significantly. And suddenly the charges are exposed. Mm -hmm. There's a wire that's exposed and Guinness is looking over his completed bridge. And he notices, notices, he alerts the Japanese to this, mm -hmm. which is the real moment where you go, Oh, he's lost yeah, it he's prior to that. Prior to that, I thought he's going to see the charges and go, oh, my God, good. They're going to blow. Like, what What a perfect situation. Yeah. I saved my guys' lives. They're on their way to their next thing. Yeah. And now this bridge is also not going to be useful. But you see the switch hasn't flipped. Yeah. And and so he's like, oh, no, this is. And he, he gets the Japanese colonel and they walk up the charge line. Yeah. By this point, I have disappeared inside my hoodie and I'm biting my nails off. Yeah. And, um. One of the commandos, the younger of them, who's supposed to be Canadian, mm -hmm. Joyce, mm -hmm. um, Sweet. Sort of runs Sweet. up out of nowhere and stabs the Japanese colonel, yep. murders him, but then has murdered himself. And now Alec Guinness is standing there holding the wire in his hand. Mm -hmm. And the question is, uh, is he going to detonate as this train is now approaching? Mm -hmm. Right. And the whole, the whole operation is to blow up the bridge as this train is going to cross. So the train is coming around the bend. You can hear the whistle in the background. It's all very tense and exciting. Mm -hmm. There's no, almost no dialogue. Guinness is standing there holding the wire. He hears the train coming. He it sees looks, the dead soldiers on yeah. the ground, including the general, but also the commando who's sort of looking up at him. Um, a mortar goes off. Guinness is concussed. He's dying. And in his dying words, he says, oh, what, what have I done? And then he falls mm -hmm. on the plunger to detonate the bridge. Mm -hmm. Boom, goes and on. And while the, as the train is like feet from approaching, and so the train goes yeah. over the edge. And well. William Holden, in a final act of uh, courageousness, is, has run across the river, exposed himself to all this fire. It's the reason the mortar goes off next to Guinness. In fact, mm -hmm. is that he's running there to try to kill Guinness mm -hmm. to get the the bomb to, the the blow, plunger to, to blow the, the bridge yeah. up. Yeah. Um, so it's just an incredibly tense scene mm -hmm. and it's filmed and edited so perfectly mm -hmm. and the sound design is so good. And then, you know, the bridge is actually a real bridge that mm -hmm. they built. The train is an actual real train that was coming over. Mm -hmm. The explosion is a real explosion that takes place mm -hmm. and it's all practical and it's all very, very impressive. And therefore more valuable in Matt's view. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's no model there. I don't agree with you on this, but anyway. Well, I, I just think like if it was models, think, it would have cheapened it. Sure. I also think though that I'm, I'm talking about CGI, I'm not talking about models. You, you think that actually doing it is better than models and even models are better than CGI. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cool. CGI just, I, I have yet to see something that didn't make me aware of yet. It's getting there. Um, Jurassic Park notwithstanding, because mm -hmm. I think the first time I saw Jurassic Park, the CGI, there's animatronics in that, but mm -hmm. the CGI, um, fooled me then mm -hmm. right but it doesn't fool me now mm -hmm. and i think the big tvs the good tvs that we have mm -hmm. are making it harder making it harder mm -hmm. to hide cgi and so the last i want to mention this the very last words men uttered in this movie are by the commander's right hand man the doctor the clifton. doctor clifton who, who just says madness madness and that's the the whole movie 
is about madness. Yeah. Well, and I thought in a really intelligent final shot, pulling back on this bridge mm -hmm. of the wreckage of the bridge, you lose sight of the men on the ground, mm -hmm. you lose sight of the bridge. You, you now are like way over the jungle and you're pulling back and back and back and back. And you realize this is like a tiny and insignificant piece of land in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And all of this was for nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is, it's actually quite a nihilistic. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just think it's, I don't think it's finish a, to it's the a movie. view of war. Yeah, right? what a waste of time everything was. Yeah, and lives and effort and money and yeah. everything. Material, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, I think we've covered the summary. And I think we've covered what you liked and disliked. Is there something that really stands out that you thought was like especially impressive about the movie? That's yeah. a, blowing up the bridge is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Guinness's performance is, is one of the best Exceptional. ever. Exceptional, yeah. He, again, back to the IMDb trivia, he when he comes out of the box to final the, the oven the final time um he's he didn't apparently he didn't even realize he was doing it but his son had polio and the way he walked he realized afterwards he had accidentally modeled on how his son was walking after contracting and and, and getting better from polio yeah. and had to learn to walk again yes that was and he thought that was the finest acting he ever did yeah in uh, that moment hard to disagree mm. his, well, definitely his, better than obi-wan his, his standing there as saito is is uh sitting comfortably in his office, fanning himself and, yes. and Guinness is standing there and he, you can see him wobbling yeah, and trembling, trembling yeah. and trying to keep his eyes open. Yeah. Um, it, the, the, the fortitude that he's showing there, that's all internal. Yeah. Right. Uh, was really good. And I thought that they did an interesting thing. They just kept putting him in increasingly large, slightly larger uniforms mm -hmm. to make it appear as though he was shriveling away. Yes. Right. But in, in actuality, like you know, nobody was, nobody's sweating off mm -hmm. 15 pounds. I do think he lost weight. Oh, I'm sure everybody did. Yeah. But they all look pretty robust and healthy given yes. the POW-ness of it all. Like, yes. In reality, if you've ever seen pictures of, yes. especially in Japanese prisoner of war camps, they yeah. literally work them to death, malnourish them, and, yeah. and starve them to death Yeah. And, and, and as labor. Okay. I would not do well there. Um, was your lack of familiarity with the actors, do you think, a benefit? Yes. Because you don't know who's who and That's what's right. what. And, it helps. Yeah. I mean, I, we, th we see that in movies now, right? Where I see movies where I don't know who anybody is, and I, I have right. no previous conception of them. But if George Clooney's in it, you're like, oh, he's going to yeah. make it. Yeah. No, not necessarily. No, I just think I, I mean, maybe they're going to give George Clooney a really great death scene. Yeah. But I do I do think it helped that I didn't know who any of them were and that I didn't yeah. even realize that. Well, like Alec Guinness, like he, he might have died. Yeah. And you would have been like, okay, well, that happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas like I would have been like with knowledge of Alec Guinness, yes. might have looked at it entirely differently. Yes. Okay. Um, is this a war film? Is it a character drama or is it an adventure or is it something else? Entirely? I think it's a commentary on war. At the end of the day, I think it's a war film that is a commentary on war, which is very 1950s, right? Yeah. Very in between World War II and, the, and just the beginning of the Cold War. This is not, this is a commentary on what a frigging waste this is, mm -hmm. which people seem to have forgotten. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, um, I, th I think it's the more of a character drama. Personally, I think it's le like less about war. Mm. And about like the 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 character drama among these particular individuals in the context of war, mm -hmm. like war makes it all necessary, but it, it's just the impetus for these guys to make these decisions. Um, and I think that in the novel, uh, General Saito's Bushido samurai code um, and the pressures that he was under, I bet you he's a fuller and more robust character. Mm -hmm. uh, worth noting here, just to before we take a break, is that uh, we recommend watching this with subtitles because the yeah. broken English of the Japanese colonel was very difficult to understand. We yes. had to actually sort of 
what's the the auditory equivalent of squinting in order to yeah, try to understand and then we, we ended up uh, uh putting the Throwing subtitles the on it helped yeah. although the subtitles didn't match the dialogue perfectly no but that was had to do with how fast people can read yeah um he received an oscar nomination for this but he was the only one that didn't win well that's just racism well, i was gonna say it's 1950s right like that yeah. makes sense but anyways he deserved the oscar right. for sure be right back okay Okay, Matt. We've had major technical oh issues today. Oh, my God. Um, we've actually recorded this segment of the pod twice. twice. And they've been, it's been lost twice. And I'm really proud of Matt for not throwing the microphone through the wall. So because we're going to race through I almost did it. what initially was going to... We had a really, I think, great Kick eight and a half minutes. Yeah. And then we had another really good sort of seven-minute version. Yeah. And it's gone. They're all gone now. We're going to just go through <laughs> this real quick. Um, suppose that the... Uh, the studios? world went nuts. The studios yeah. went nuts, and they they decided to recast and remake this perfect film. Yes. In the modern context. All right. I've got five actors that I think could work. Okay. In the roles in increasingly important. And I'm going to say my part about the women again. Yes. Yes. So let's let's start with that. Do you think there's a way to get uh, a female character into this film? No. <laughs> no, and why is no? that? No, because it's a movie about men in war. I do not think you need women in this movie. I am not the kind of feminist who thinks that women need to infiltrate every aspect of life. The same as men don't need to ask, infiltrate every aspect of life. I hate the term. What is, people, there's women that say, I'm not a feminist, I'm an equalist. I'm a feminist to the core. I just think this movie does not require women in it at all. And that if we were to remake it, shoehorning in women is worse than just not having them in it at all um with the exception of the the, the bearers the 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 material Sherpas, carriers yeah. material carriers carriers for the commando group great let's cast some women in there that are that maybe we flesh out those scenes a little bit yeah. but as far as like the nurse on the beach with her blonde hair and her bathing suit get out of here get right out of here okay. and that same woman who was just the director's wife like she wasn't i mean maybe she was an actress but she wasn't mm -hmm. like didn't need to be in this movie. No. Could have been anybody in that in that role, any woman in that no, role. No, all it did was reinforce William Holton's character a little bit as being a, a bit of a cad. Yeah, well, we could reinforce that in lots of other ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so women are not in it, which allows us to flesh out some of these actors you're about to drop. Okay. Some some knowledge. Matt's about to drop some knowledge. Okay, so Joyce, the Canadian, who is the commando in training, mm -hmm. who ultimately can't use his knife mm -hmm. until ultimately he has to use his knife and then right. he, he performs it. Uh, played by Jeffrey Horn in the movie, I would take Timothy Chalamet here. Introducing okay. Jeffrey Horn, and he did nothing else. Yeah. Um, but in subsequent conversations, yeah. right, we said Timothy, I said Timothy Chalamet initially. Yes. And then you actually offered a better casting option. Which would be Tom Holland? Which would be Tom Holland. Yes. Um, and then I think that I might top that one mm -hmm. by saying Dev Patel might yes. be the guy. Yes, I like the idea of a, a British uh like outpost kind of a guy yeah, a soldier yeah. from the british empire yeah okay playing dr clifton played by james donald in the movie i would go with uh ewan mcgregor here ewan mcgregor has the gravitas to be somebody who is sane amidst all the insanity and the obi-wan kenobi of it all and the obi-wan kenobi connection yes is there okay playing the warden commander warden character played by jack hawkins in the movie uh i it's got to be an older educated sort of suave debonair mm. British fellow mm. of a certain age. Mm. He looked, Jack Hawkins looked to me like he was in his middle to late forties. Okay. Hugh Grant is 10 years too old, but that's who I would cast here. And I, I top that. I see your Hugh Grant and I raise you Colin Firth circa British Jones's diary. Yeah. 
the first one. Yeah, I and I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, there's probably a better casting choice here. Like I'm thinking of, uh, you know, who they go to is the guy. Oh, I know exactly who they'd go to, and I'm, I'm not I'm thinking of the name. Okay. The guy Dominic West. No. Is it Dominic West, the guy from The Wire? Oh yeah, that is Dominic West, and he would be great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's exactly, and he was just in. Uh, rogue heroes, is Star Rising, playing uh, a, like a an older espionage perfect officer, so that would work. Okay, in the Shears character played by William Holden in the movie, you need an American handsome guy, a mm -hmm. uh, little bit of a sense of humor. You said a little cowardly at first, but that grows into something heroic. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go Glenn Powell. Here. Did I have a better one when we recorded before? I well, you like suggested, I... yeah, you suggested Leo. Leo, Leo, circa twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah, we but need even, to de-age Leo. Yeah. I don't think Leo now works. He's too old. No. Well, but uh, so what you need is an American actor who is like in his late 30s, mm -hmm. physically fit, but has a bit of an everyman mm -hmm. character. But it's still handsome. To him. And Glenn Powell's too muscular and yeah. too handsome mm -hmm. if it's if that's what you're looking for. I don't know who the William Holden equivalent is in 2023. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are William Holdens anymore. Oh. Right? Is it Chris Evans? Ew, no. He's oh, I mean, He's too you, pretty. But if you if you took some of his bulk off, was it Chris Pine? Maybe. Is it a Chris? Is it Chris Pratt? <laughs> I mean, it's certainly not Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Too fat? No, it's not about... <laughs> Seth Rogen? <laughs> wow, we're really... <laughs> we're really getting off base here. No, I'm just, I think... I'm a little punchy because we've done this three times. I know. Although this is all new. This is ad-libbing. Um, I like the Chris Pine idea because he is... He does have an everyman quality, but it's like a handsomer version of an everyman. It can't be Chris Pratt because he... I feel like at any moment could just go off the rails or personally. A, ra a raptor could show up. Well, I'm thinking more like him in his personal life could just drop off. Like, could you cast a black actor here? It would here? ruin this movie. Ooh. Like an American. Yeah. American. I think you could have a black like a actor. Like a Tay Diggs circa 2010? Well, I'm thinking like a Michael B. Jordan. Mm -hmm. Something like that. That's what we're doing. We're making this a, like a multicultural, no women version of this movie. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Dev Patel and. Um, and, and Michael B. And Michael B. He's in. All right. And then in the William Holden character, you're taking William Holden's, uh, sorry, Alec Guinness. Yes. One of the greatest actors who ever lived in yes. arguably his greatest performance. Give me Ray Fines here. Fine. He's Voldemort, but fine. 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 Pun intended? <laughs> no, but I like it. All right. Okay. So that's how I would recast it. Um, I, I Really quickly, I don't think I could use this in my film class. I think that. Um, no, the, the racial slurs make it not possible. Yeah. Uh, and also the pace and, and probably like the length and pace are problematic. Yeah. Um, and it's a little masculine, but it's a shame because there's such great acting, there's such beautiful set design, and the cinematography is. You can find other movies that don't have the problems that have all of those elements in them, especially mm -hmm. from the 50s. Any interest in reading this book? Yes, major yeah. interest in reading this book. Already looked it up at the library, um, and our library doesn't have it. Oh. Sad. So I'll just Maybe. order it on Amazon. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll come back with. Uh, we're going to wrap up the season. We're going to wrap up the season. Here yeah. we go. All right. Okay, Matt. Okay. Time to wrap up. Time to wrap up. Um, we've watched 13 movies. Unbelievable. In this season. It's taken us several months mm -hmm. to do so. March, right? March, April, May, June, July, into July? Into July. Wow. So it's been roughly two and a half movies a month, which is pretty good for you. Mm -hmm. You're not a movie watcher. Mm -hmm. We established that early on. <laughs> As <laughs> is the premise of this podcast. Yeah. So I'm not going to ask you to rank... Oh, good. All 13, because that would be insane. I did make a list here. I'll, I'll recap oh. what we watched, and I'm going to ask you, what are your top two? Okay. 
what are your bottom two? I'm ready. I think it's going to be easy. We can just talk about everything in the mushy middle. Okay. Okay. So the, the movies in no particular order were Bridge on the River Kwai, Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 2, Terminator, Terminator 2, When Harry Met Sally, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Life is Beautiful, Amelie, The Abyss, Jerry Maguire, Sleepless in Seattle, and The Fugitive. Oh. So to challenge you, I'm saying top two. I, we could go top three, bottom three. Do you want to say bottom three first? Sure. Do you want to go top three first? Did we watch The Abyss? Yes, we did. Are you sure? A hundred percent. What was it? We did an episode about it. Tell, okay, fine. Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth Mastertoni, <gasps> right the Aliens water. Underwater. You know what I always think of when I think of The Abyss is what's the one that's in space where it's like there's a black hole or something. That's not very specific. Interstellar? No, no. No, there's one that I always think of when I think of the Event Horizon. Yes, yes, okay. that is what it is. You've seen Event Horizon? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. That's not. I would never have thought that would be a movie that you would enjoy. My parents love science fiction. Science fiction space. And horror. I'm in. Uh, they, they probably didn't realize it was horror when they were showing. Yeah, it's horror. Okay. Okay, so um, let's go with your bottom two. What are your bottom two? Four weddings and a funeral, with a bullet, and. Probably, I'm looking at the list. It helps. Probably Jerry Maguire. Okay. Didn't like either one of those particularly. Yeah. Blech. But they're not, you don't hate either of those films. They're just I not, really didn't you know. like Four Weddings. And I know that offends people in our listening audience. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I sorry, just, listener. Sorry. But I'm not sorry. But um, no, I just didn't. No. Okay. I didn't hate them. I just didn't like them at all. No. Can you... Can you do a top two or would you prefer a top three? No, I can do a top two. It's easy. Okay. All right. Go ahead. It's Bridge on the River Kwai and When Harry Met Sally. All right. That's it. Everything else was good. Not great, but I, good. Yeah, I I think... The Fugitive would have rounded out the top three if I was going that to... Is, that was exactly what my third would be as well. Yeah. And I think, like, um, my enjoyment of these has been directly... This is a codependent nonsense. <laughs> this is like... My enjoyment of these films has been directly related to how much you're enjoying them. Because I'm seeing them through your eyes. And I would say that um, the, the movies that you've liked mm -hmm. have grown in my estimation. Mm. Whereas the ones that you were the mushy middle here, I continue to enjoy, mm -hmm. continue to like them. They were all enjoyable. Yeah, they just didn't, they didn't grow. No. Um, and I saw less new in Terminator 2, for instance, or mm -hmm. Lethal Weapon, than I saw in uh, The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. And When Harry Met Sally, absolutely. Mm -hmm. When Harry Met Sally was might have been my top one. Oh, I wasn't... Here. You said just top two. I wasn't listening in order. If I had to list them in order, like top one, top two, then number three, it would be When Harry Met Sally first, yeah. then Bridge Over the River Kwai, then Fugitive. That mm -hmm. would be one spot, one spot, two, spot three. Yeah. Yeah. I might have them in the same order, yeah. yeah. Which is pretty dull for for the listener, but uh, that's that's where I'd have it as well. So we've done it. We've we've gotten to the end of the. I told people series. there were people when we started this series, and I told our friends like, "Hey, this is what we're going to do." More than one person, in fact, two people. Our top two listeners, I would like to say, Joe, friends of the pod, Joe and Dave, both said something like, "Oh, that's gonna." I specifically remember Joe saying, "That's gonna cause conflict," or like, "That's gonna be." a spicy conversation or something and me being like, no, it's not. <laughs> We're yeah. probably going to agree on everything. Yeah. 
I'm not I wonder, right. I round Joe very much, so I'm just going to take that. I wonder if this like, like, I was right. makes the whole thing much less interesting Probably. to our listeners. That's, it was just like two happy, listening. happily married people agreeing <laughs> about movies they think are nice, right? This is as like sugary and saccharine as it gets. Um, that's okay. Yeah. All right. So, what are we gonna do for our next season? This is an important conversation. I think we've decided. I think we've decided that uh, we're gonna try con- connect it to my film class that I'm gonna be teaching. Yeah. Um, and having discussions around what it is I intend to show. I think we should flip the roles. Here's what I think. Yeah. I think I should read books and you should watch your movies for film class, but then I will like ask you questions about the movies for your film class right. that are like teacher driven kind of stuff. Okay. Cause like your principal's not going to see the movies ahead right. of time. She's going to trust your professional judgment. So I'll be like your principal in that regard and be like, you know, here are some questions I have about this film that you're showing. So my homework would be in preparation for our podcast. I would watch two or three things that I've narrowed it down to. Oh, okay. And then you'd ask me about those films and I would try to justify my choice for what I'd show in the class. Maybe we need to hash this idea out a little bit more, but yeah, something, I just want something where I don't have to watch all the movies. Yeah, no, I, I think we're going to leave you out of watching them. Mm-hmm. But I think, but I'd like to help. I think we're going to do another down the line. Yes. Um, like for long-term planning, mm-hmm. if we're going to stay doing this, which Active. I've enjoyed doing. Yes. Me um, too. Another season of catch up Chrissy is entirely possible. We've got more than enough movies oh, in the God, house yeah. to, to do another iteration of this. And then when the Oscars come back around, mm-hmm sort of in the late part of this year yes we'll revisit that task because that was fun it was heavy and it was a lot oh, of work, I loved but it, it was fun it yeah. was so fun i liked that it was like heavy and that it was like a movie every four days for six weeks yeah and that was and, and it's also new content yes right? yes um i would like it, to make it, it our oscar, popularity surged at that point i'm making an oscar prediction right now are you ready go ahead okay this is and this is like good for people that are listening in the future to our next season of ballot boxing where they're going to go back and be like, oh, they had this whole other season of Catch a Chrissy. And now here we go. Here's your little bonus content for a future episode of Battle Boxing. Uh, Napoleon is going to sweep the Oscars. Ooh. Oscar for... Um, Joaquin? Don't tell me. Joaquin Phoenix. Oscar for... <laughs> Oscar for um, uh, Princess Margaret from The Crown. Get ready. Mark my words. Oh, I yeah. knew she was going places. Vanessa Kirby. I knew she was going places in The Crown. And here we are. Christina being proved right. She's Josephine. She's amazing, is what she is. Yeah. She was great. She was the best part of The Crown. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Okay. Yep. Seasons Uh, one through six or whatever we're on. Last season comes out in November. Yeah. Right around the same time, smart career planning Vanessa Kirby as this as napoleon yeah she's gonna have a huge push for best actress Get and then ready. there'll be no movies for like six months because of the strike oh, yeah. and, and uh, it'll be oh there'll be movies they'll just be some ai you'll love them ai uh AI cgi CD. model bullshit yeah it'll be great get me out of here thanks for doing the season with me honey i love you thanks thank for, you i love you thanks <laughs> this is not helping us keep listeners um i've enjoyed all i really to be truly honest there wasn't a single one of these movies i didn't that i was like I truly hated like four weddings is the bottom of the list, but that has more to do with the age of it and the Hugh Grant of it all than the actual movie. itself. We still had a nice time and we still had a nice time. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We'll be back with another season of, we don't know what it's going to be called yet. After in a few weeks, because Christina will be traveling to Italy with her mom. Bellissimo. And uh, so we're going to take a little downtime, Mm -hmm. um, but we'll be back with something in August in August. All right. Until then. Bye for now. Bye-bye.